you're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Tonight I want to tell you a kind of a Christmas story. It goes back 20 years when I was providing some pastoral support to a very troubled young woman wasn't by any means formal pastoral counseling or spiritual direction. She wasn't coming to see me in my church office, and we certainly weren't praying in the chapel. No, we were going for coffee. Every Sunday afternoon for close to three years, I would pick her up in her apartment. We'd drive to the closest Salisbury house, where we'd always sit in the very same booth, week after week, we would have three cups of coffee, talk, sometimes not, and after an hour I would drive her back to her apartment and then continue on with my day. I would never hear from her during the week, but like clockwork there she'd be every Sunday at 2 p.m. waiting on the front steps of her apartment block. Now, it's no exaggeration to say that she was the most profoundly wounded person I've ever known. She didn't trust her social worker. She didn't like the psychiatrist she'd been referred to. She wouldn't even talk to the community health nurse. But for some reason that I couldn't quite fathom, she'd reached out to me, the church guy, as she called me, and as far as she could, she actually trusted me. I suspect I was one of the only people in her life who cared about her and wasn't paid to do that. Maybe that was what made the difference. So week after week after week, a cup of coffee, refill, refill, time to go. She'd sit and she would chain smoke. This was 20 years ago, after all. And most days she'd want to talk about the same things. We'd have pretty much the same conversation each week. Some weeks she'd just sit wordless for the entire hour. When that happened, I gave up trying to crack the stony silence, and I learned to just sit with her, to honor her need not to talk. Well, it was a Sunday in early December 1996. She told me that she wanted to buy Christmas gifts for the caretaker couple in her apartment block. This couple were in their late 20s. They'd been extremely good to her. They'd helped her out in, in various small ways and they would check in on her if she didn't emerge from her suite for more than a day or two. I know what I'm going to get for her, she said to me, but I don't know what to get for him. What do you get for a guy? Well, tell me about him, I replied. What does he do? What does he like? I don't know, she said. He smokes. I'll get him a carton of cigarettes. I said, well, he can buy his own cigarettes. He'll just smoke the ones you buy for him, and then they'll be gone. You want to think of something he maybe wouldn't buy for himself. 
what about a Zippo lighter? A what? I said, a Zippo lighter. It's a, it's a kind of a classic. They're made of stainless steel. They, they use lighter fluid and, and flint. They have this really nice look and feel. And they just never break down. They never do. <sighs> you sure he'll like it? But what if he quits smoking? <laughs> I said, well, then he can use it to light candles and campfires. Trust me. He'll like it. It's a really good gift. Where do you get them? I don't even get my check until next Friday. Don't worry. There's a place in the Grant Park Shopping Center that sells them. Next Sunday, after your checks arrive, we go there first before we go for coffee. And sure enough, next Sunday found us at Grant Park Mall, where she quite confidently bought that Zippo lighter with a little can of lighter fluid to go with it. And off we went for our coffee as usual. On the following Sunday, the last Sunday before Christmas Day, she looked across that Salisbury House booth table at me. She reached into her purse. She pulled out the Zippo lighter and tossed it across the table. It's a stupid gift, she said. I'm not going to give it to him. I don't want it. You might as well keep it. Well, I began to protest. I began to, to try to change her mind. But then I stopped because the realization hit. This had never been for him, ever. All along, it had been for me. She wanted to give me a Christmas gift, but she didn't know how to do it. Giving me a gift would have said that she cared. And when you've been badly, badly, badly hurt, it's dangerous to care. So I just picked up the lighter and I said, thank you. Now that lighter has lived in the back of my dresser drawer for most of these 20 years. But I still got it. <laughs> Might have been one of the most treasured gifts I've ever been given. And it still works. <laughs> like I told her, Zippo lighters just never break down. And you know what? They close with this most satisfying snap. We like giving and receiving gifts, most of us do. But they can come with so much freight. She had to find this offhand way give me a gift, as if she didn't care, as if she didn't want to. And I had to receive it from her as if it didn't matter. Okay, I'll take it. Thank you. I suspect that there are some people here who have purchased something for someone. It's carefully wrapped. It's under the tree. And if you stop to think about it right now, you might realize you're a bit anxious as to whether or not that was such a good idea. Will they really like it? Is anything open still tonight? You know, I suspect that tomorrow morning someone here will carefully unwrap a gift, look at the contents, and wonder what the heck it is. <laughs> oh, 
thank you, you'll say, as the giver looks at you and grins with delight. But you like his gift, whatever it is. The gospel story we heard proclaimed tonight is about the greatest gift. God's self-giving into our world. God becoming human, born as a fragile baby, and living in the midst of us. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, as St. John says in his Gospel. Yet even in this lovely story we heard tonight, there are signs that not everyone knows how to receive the gift. When this young couple arrive in Joseph's ancestral hometown of Bethlehem, Mary ready to give birth to the baby, the best they could find is a stable. No room in the inn, as Luke says, but there was also no one prepared to open the doors of their home to this woman in such obvious need. In the story of the visit of the Magi, the wise men that will tell at the end of the 12 days of Christmas, we meet the character of King Herod, who not only doesn't want the gift of a baby born to be king, he's prepared to send death squads into Bethlehem to wipe out any chance of that baby surviving. Then as the Gospels roll forward and begin to tell the story of the adult Jesus, again and again we read of how he was rejected, pushed away, not as gift, but as threat. It's generally those in places of power, those who had a vested interest in the status quo, who see Jesus in this way, and it ultimately lands him on an executioner's cross. But in the Gospels, there are others who see him for the gift that he is. Fishermen, statusless women, despised tax collectors, hungry people and sick people and marginalized people. They see, and as best they can, they receive him. That's there in tonight's story, too in the figures of the shepherds. Now in all of the portrayals of the nativity scene, you always see a group of men shepherds. But in fact, in that time and context, shepherds were as likely to be women and even children, families. It was tough work, carried out by people pretty much on the margins of the society. But it was to these that the angel appeared. The shepherds are terrified, Luke tells us. But then we hear that great line of angels, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because this is good news. A baby has been born, the child of promise. The sky explodes with light and with sound. When that's passed, the shepherds race down the hills into the town to see it for themselves. They receive the gift with openness. They just receive it. And then they return to their tough work up in the hills. 
glorifying and praising God for all that they've heard and seen. Not that shepherding was any easier, or that the long nights out in the hills became any less dark, at least not literally. But they'd seen, and they had accepted, and no one could ever take that away from them. There's much about our world these days that's dark and harsh and confusing. Against those realities, it's my prayer for all of you over these coming days of Christmas that there will be something that will shine with a little bit of light and joy and peace and hope. Something deeper than unwrapped gifts and a grand meal, lovely as those things are. I wish for you in this Christmas time a glimpse of the deeper gift, an inkling of grace. May you receive that gift this season. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, 
visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.